Let's just have us a brain gangster session. Much love to our boys from Blue 22s for our theme song. We love us some sessions. So we're back with the Brain Gangster podcast. I'm your host, meditation and wellness expert, Stacey Turris, along with my co-host, the mindful money maestro, Carrie Treadway. What up? What's up? Hey, I felt weird that you called me the money maestro today. Just like Why? I think I feel weird with all your descriptions of me. Oh, God. I'm just not going to give you any description. I just didn't think it was fair to call me a money mindful maestro right now. <laughs> money mindful maestro? <laughs> Why? Are you being shitty with money? Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm spring breaking with my money, kind you of. You feel like a fraud? I do. I just wanted to get that out there. I'm, I'm more like on spring break with the financial aspect. Hey, okay? listen, what, but what, that's what we always say. Like nobody's going to be on point all the fucking time, right? It's balance. So exactly. you're fully aware that you're not the mindful money maestro right now. And that's okay because you'll get there. You'll get back there eventually. I am 100% okay with it. I just wanted to let everybody know that you're a fraud. I just today. didn't feel comfortable going into this. Okay. In a okay. <laughs> Along with my co-host, the shitty money person, Mary <laughs> Treadway. What up? Hey, guess what? <laughs> On today's episode, the science of love plus heartbreak, if I can say it. Oh, the science. We are, are going to be talking about everything that happens to your brain from the moment you're attracted to someone to falling in love to eventually breaking up. Wah. Uh, I'm here for all of it except for the breaking up part, man. That shit is just way too brutal for my little soul. Your little soul's like, ow, it hurts. I can't hang with that. It is. It's brutal for your soul, your brain, and your body. And it's not just hearts that break. There's physical reactions that we're going to talk about today, too, which not good either. No, dude, it's crazy. So it is crazy. Just understanding how much love affects us, mind, body, spirit. We all know love makes us feel and act pretty crazy. But over the past few decades, researchers have actually studied the brain of people that are in love. And it's really super powerful, the conclusions they came up with, the effect that love has on our brain chemistry. So basically, just run for your life, right? Hurry! Holy crap. So neurotransmitters, we always talk about neurotransmitters. Um, they're the brain chemicals that communicate information through our, our brain and body, right? Yeah. So the holy trinity of feel-goods and love chemistry is dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine. <laughs> I was so afraid I was going to mess you up on that word. Epinephrine. <laughs> Sorry, I was having trouble with that word earlier. No, it's okay. So when those guys work together properly, they make you basically feel like everything is just fucking awesome, right? Yeah. So dopamine helps control the brain's reward and pleasure centers. So dopamine also helps regulate movement and emotional responses, but it enables us to not only see the rewards, but to take the action to move toward them. So dopamine is like, I see what I want. I'm going to fucking get it. Damn. Yeah. Serotonin is a natural mood regulator. It makes you feel more emotionally stable, less anxious, more tranquil, just kind of more focused, more energetic. It has that deep effect on mood and social behavior, has the same effect on appetite, digestion, sleep, memory, sexual desire, all of that stuff. So finally, norepinephrine, which is also called noradrenaline. So we know what an adrenaline drop feels like, right? It's like, 
So the primary role of norepinephrine is arousal. So when you're stressed, you become more awake, more focused. You know how if we get pissed off, we can like go clean the house? <laughs> and it's like the cleanest thing ever and the fastest. <laughs> the fastest, the fastest, cleanest shit ever because we're pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> that's like clothes get hung up that haven't been hung up in years. <laughs> right. That's norepinephrine. Yeah. So a low level of norepinephrine leaves you feeling more tired and brain foggy and like no interest in life. So those are the three basic chemicals of love. Dang. Well, it's not just that. We have to talk about how it affects us physically too, right? Yeah, totally. So just as an SSRI, which is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, it is used for depression Love inhibits the uptake of the three neurotransmitters, dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin. So by preventing neurons from absorbing these neurotransmitters, they hang out in the brain outside the cells instead where they can let it all hang out and pot it its socks off. <laughs> but when they're taken up by neurons, their impact is negated. They've essentially left the building. Peace out, motherfuckers. Yeah, and that's no, that's no bueno. No, because an increase in extracellular dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin makes you feel good, really good. It's a physical response that isn't that different from the body's response to cocaine. So it's crazy, but love really is a drug. It really is a drug. So, so that that so the SSRIs basically if you don't know what that is the reuptake inhibitor means that it's inhibiting those neurons from taking those neurotransmitters up so if the neurons take those neurotransmitters up then we're not getting the effects of it so when you inhibit that reuptake it allows those neurotransmitters basically just like you said to be there for the party and so that's exactly what love does. Love inhibits the uptake of those neurotransmitters. So we get to feel that dopamine, that norepinephrine, and that serotonin. So yeah, love is a freaking drug. Okay, I want to talk about the different stages of love at this point and kind of what happens in your brain as we're going through them. So we all know love happens in stages from the initial attraction all the way to that deep connection if you're lucky, right? Yeah. So let's start with attraction. Say you develop a crush on your coworker. And every time you think about this person, you just feel giddy. You get like those goosebumps or those butterflies or whatever it is, you feel really good. So what's happening is the neurons in your brain are releasing the dopamine. Obviously, that's the feel-good hormone and neurotransmitter. That is actually dopamine is associated with euphoria. And as well as gambling and drug addiction. So it totally tells oh. you like where in that category that is. And because your brain wants you to keep pursuing this feeling, it's like dangling a little love carrot in front of you. So it fires off more dopamine every time you think about this person, which pushes you towards that attraction. So that's how that attraction stage works. And a lot of times, you know, we talk about people that end up falling for each other and it's like, you know, how can you fall for each other if it's like different circumstances in life or whatever, where possibly it's not an attraction that should be followed through. It's like, you have to understand what you're working with. People sometimes don't have a choice 
on it's chemical it's straight up chemical on what that attraction is and how far your brain will take you to reach that so just something to think about you know when we're thinking about attraction and stuff right you can't be like sorry chemicals I'm not listening to you today right. it doesn't work that way i'm gonna do what i want brain <laughs> right Hey, so whenever you first start dating, you notice how you, whenever you like really like someone, you get nervous before those dates that you go on. Yes. And your palms are all sweaty and your heart races and your armpits are sweaty and you're afraid like, oh God, what if I stink before my date? Itchy. Your <laughs> armpits are itchy from the adrenaline. Yeah. It's, so it's basically, that is what you're feeling is the adrenaline going and searching through your body because that's what it is, right? In the early throes of a romantic relationship, your brain sends a signal to the adrenal gland, which is located on top of the kidneys, to pump out the chemicals, get it going, right? So pump yeah. out adrenaline, epinephrine, and norepinephrine, giving you that rush of excitement. Yeah, that is that is like true natural high right there. Yeah, and you can really definitely feel it. I mean, it's not like you're going to be able to ignore it. Like you said, whether no, I mean, it even makes us feel electric. It makes us feel, have you ever heard the term lovesick? Yeah. Yeah. Lovesick is a real thing. And that's in this early courtship and attraction phase. It's like that adrenaline is surging through your body 24 hours a day. You cannot sleep. You cannot eat. You feel like you are high as on life and yeah nothing can stop you so that is that like it just gives you these superhuman powers with this adrenaline flowing through okay yeah well the norepinephrine is is the key to it right because it's like dopamine and it makes us feel like you said super good but it also can bring in infatuation and obsessions (laughs) it's our brain's way of saying like let's keep going yo yeah so your brain is like I see this and I, I want that. it and I'm going to do everything I can to get it. Okay. So now we get to where you actually fall and it's called fall for a reason, isn't it? Falling in love because you fucking fall and you fall hard and it's not pretty. It's, it's, it's a mess basically. So basically you're hooked. Now you want to be around this person every single minute of every single day. And studies have shown that the same part of your brain that activates when you're addicted to Coke activates when you're in love. And I'm talking cocaine. Yeah, not (laughs) (laughs) Coca-Cola. So it's called the limbic reward system. And basically your brain's decided love is what I want and I want more. And from an evolutionary standpoint, this response is developed to help us basically have sex and then raise offspring together. So evolutionary wise, that's what it like. We're all thinking like soulmates, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, this is like the freaking reptilian part of our brain saying you need to have sex and you need to make babies and you need to protect them together. So during this phase, the limbic system continues to release that dopamine, continues to add that feel good electrical current that just keeps you craving the person you love. And then when the object of your desire is not around, you can feel like you're in withdrawal. So it motivates you to see that person again. But with any, any drug, the high has those diminishing returns. So, you know, if you, if you do a drug, whatever, what do we say? Like say cocaine, 
the more you do a drug, it could be any drug, then it takes more and more and more to reach that high. And that's exactly how love is. So after a few months, if you haven't reached that attachment phase, then that can actually weaken. And that's when people sort of fall out of love. And, and I mean, unless they become attached. So attachment is the next part of this but before we get to attachment, why is it, Carrie, that these people that we have fallen for can do nothing wrong in our eyes? Oh, let me tell you why. <laughs> it's a little something I have to call some rose-colored glasses. <laughs> Those rose-colored glasses. They're like, no, they're perfect. And your friends are like, dude, he totally is not working out. This is bad. And you're like, but I don't see anything wrong with them, right? Right. Is there something called like, um, is love drunk a thing? Well, probably. I mean, love just fucks you up sideways and up and down. So why wouldn't there be love drunk? Yeah. Love sick, yeah. love drunk. <laughs> love stupid. <laughs> love dumb. <laughs> well, whenever we're falling in love, we ignore those red flags that our friends are like, dude, how do you not notice this? Right. <laughs> and it's because our body like goes into another stage of, oh shit, oh shit. Right. It starts to mess with us because the limbic reward system, um, starts lighting up like a Christmas tree. And I don't feel like I want anything lighting up like a Christmas tree in my body. <laughs> I know it's just, just too much. It's too <laughs> abrasive and, or not abrasive. Violent, maybe volatile, aggressive. Yeah. Well, it's I not love that we're much. talking about love this way. I know <laughs> it gets to a good part. Everybody, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are benefits to love, I guess. There are definite benefits. Just wait. We're just telling you the stages. But it's because during that Christmas tree light show that we have going on, or the fireworks, whatever, it's because the amygdala decides to shut down. Which you don't really want any body part. Like you know what? I'm gonna take a break. Yeah, that's not helpful when anything decides just to shut down. Because with the amygdala, the amygdala, when it shuts down, so does our good judgment, which that seems almost cruel, right? Like, all right, you're going to go follow. And there's not going to be anybody to tell you this is a bad idea. <laughs> you're on your own, bitch. Yeah. So the amygdala, which is a set of neurons located in the temporal lobe, plays a big role in how we, we react, right? So it's key to making judgment calls. Reg rec oh, my gosh. Recognizing. I like recognizing <laughs> fearful situations and can even decipher when someone is lying to us. So these are yeah. all things that you want to for sure know that you're on your best game for when you're dating somebody new and your brain's like, sorry, I'm taking some time off. That amygdala, that amygdala is a son of a bitch, man. That amygdala is also what records everything that happens to us from in utero and basically is like, oh, this, this guy did this fucked up thing. I'm going to record this so that you tr are triggered later on. <laughs> yeah, the, no. amygdala is like, the amygdala is like our, our stepchild that just keeps, keeps causing issues all the time. He takes a little nap. So then your judgment's all clouded and you're able to see your loved one in what has been termed rose-colored glasses. They're so perfect. They're just so oh my God. I love him so much. Oh my gosh. Okay. So through those road color road, I like road colored glasses. That sounds good too. <laughs> okay. So then there's attachment, right? You've bonded. So as we spend time with this person, our brains start to release oxytocin, which is called the love hormone. 
So this neuropeptide is produced in the hypothalamus and it's released into our brains during times of intimacy. So it can be when a mom breastfeeds their babies or when we have an orgasm. So studies show that oxytocin is the key to fostering that trust and commitment that we need for attachment. So unlike that quick high of dopamine, oxytocin is sort of more subtle and sticks around longer. And then that can lead to deep attachment. Oh, I like little oxytocin. Yeah. Oxytocin is just the little sweetest little thing ever. He is. I like him a lot. Yeah. He like comes around and tries and comfort everybody. It's just, it just wants to comfort everybody. It's almost like the red cross after a tornado comes yeah. through. <laughs> <laughs> Dopamine comes through like a tornado and then oxytocin's like there to pick up all the pieces. Yeah. Yeah. It's the red cross truck pulling up. You no, know, you have water and whatever you need, right? Yeah. Hey, but we did promise that love really is a good thing. So we're now getting past all of that scary part, right? Into deep attachment because over time, love can develop into deep companionship. When two people have been committed to each other for years, their brains show increased activity in the ventral pallidum. This region of the brain is rich with oxytocin, which remember we love little oxytocin, and vasopressin receptors, which are two chemicals associated with monogamy and deep attachment, which if you've ever heard of Helen Fisher, um, they explain why it lights up when people experience long-term attachment. So like I said, if we we love oxytocin, we need to uh, be lighting that up. Yeah, for sure. Because brain scans also show that the limbic reward system remains active during deep attachment as well, meaning couples in this stage can experience the rush of early courtship with the deep attachment. So like the good stuff of it minus the bad stuff of it. Isn't that like the end goal? Yeah. Like, so, so some couples it's like, okay, so they're like in and out, you know, hot coming in, flame out quick, right? That would be like someone that never made it past the attraction stage or whatever. But imagine the comfort of a deep attachment, but also at the same time, that limbic reward system still kicking in when you see, you know, your significant other. So it's like, most of the time you think, okay, so, you know, you've been married so and so and so years and that, that sort of rush tends to go away, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's easy for it to go away and it's easy for a relationship to change, but dang, when you have that deep, deep attachment and you have still have that early courtship feeling, that's the end game. Yeah. That's some of us will never, some of us will never hit that. I think those are those people that stay together for 75 years. Or what? People that never make it? No, that make it. They, that oh, yeah. find that deep attachment where they still feel giddy about that person 30 yeah, years Yeah, definitely. So that's what love feels like. Basically, it feels like you've been hit by a fucking car. Pretty much, right? Well, but, but there might be a good settlement with it if there's a deep attachment. <laughs> yeah, if, if there's a deep attachment. Okay, but then now let's talk about a breakup. Uh Uh-oh. So if you've ever had a hard time getting over a breakup, you know that that pain is like no other, right? No other. No other. So why exactly does the end of a a relationship feel so painful? We'll talk about that next, but first, a word from our awesome sponsor, Brain Gangster Beats Audio Entrainment. 
This podcast is brought to you by Brain Gangster Beats Audio Brainwave Entrainment Series. Brain Gangster Beats is a natural and super cool way to tweak your brain. Just listening to Brain Gangster Beats using headphones or earbuds can actually change your brainwave activity, which we all know is directly connected to your state of mind. Using different frequencies in the audio files, we can achieve whatever mental state you're looking for at that moment. Relaxed, focused, energetic, fearless, you name it. Visit BrainGangsterBeats.com to check out the entire series, downloadable by single or album. So we're back, and as we were talking about breakups, right? Anybody that has gone through a bad breakup knows that it's a devastation like no other. I literally just called it earlier a tornado coming through town and wiping out the whole city, right? Right. So what exactly is going on in our body to create these physical reactions we get from heartbreak? So we've talked about this a few times, and it's never really something that's positive, right? The old fight or flight mode. Right. (laughs) There's never been a good, like, guess what? I was in fight or flight and I had a piece of pie and a bowl of ice cream, right? So awesome. I was just oh, like yeah. hanging out in fight or flight mode. And it was fun. It was like I was on an adventure. Oh my gosh. Oh God. Yeah. It's never been a good thing. So basically your body goes back into that fight or flight mode after a breakup, because when you go through a breakup, especially if it's unexpected, like if it's thrown at you. Yeah. Your body may register it as an emergency and especially go into fight or flight mode, right? Yeah. Warning went off. It's time to take cover. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I can't imagine a, a, yeah. An emergency like that. No, because being in this state triggers the release of hormones that can prepare your body to stay and deal with this major threat, which is crazy. when we're calling this a major threat, but, or to run away to safety, run for your lives. It is a major threat. Yeah, nothing it, threats, threatens, nothing is more threatening than something you've invested your time, energy, and love into telling you that you don't matter. I think nothing's worse than um, your body literally throwing a shit ton of chemicals out in your body to be like, this is not good. Yeah. Like there's a, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah. So you're <laughs> going to be triggering that rapid heartbeat or maybe trembling even. And then with all of that, our muscles are going to be tensed up. We're going to lose our appetite. Um, we may experience some shits, literally shits and pukes. Um, and we're likely to have trouble falling asleep because being in this physically hypervigilant state of time uh, over a period of time can lead to headaches, stomach aches, muscle soreness. We could get that butthole scale color thing back out again. We'd be on the, <laughs> maybe that's what that color should be called. Breakup. What? The you white okay? one? Yeah. <laughs> so you have to be mindful of this though, because if your body feels like it's being impacted like a breakup or by this breakup, which... I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Um, It's not really a breakup if you're not upset about it because then it really didn't matter in the beginning, right? Right, exactly. But it's especially important to take care of yourself at this time, right? It's just like if you're sick, you need to give yourself more love. It is just like you're sick. Like you're going through a really fucked up time. Like it's not just, I don't think people understand that haven't been through it how, what, a toll that takes on your mind and your body and your spirit. Like it's basically like throwing you into a bucket of lava and, and then trying to like function in life 
as you're yeah. treading lava. As you're in this volcano that keeps like, it's not even like throw ups at that moment. It's just like volcanoes just spewing down slowly. So you think you're going to be able to get out, but that volcano is just fucking Keep on going. It's that Keep dopamine, right? Huh? I said it's that dopamine coming at you. Yeah. It went from a tornado to a volcano now. <laughs> <laughs> We're just like any, um, any, oh my God, I just thought, forgot the term for it. Natural disaster. Yeah. That's a breakup. <laughs> yeah. So it's really important to be taking care of your body during this natural disaster, right? So you need to yes. sleep and you need to eat well, which remember your body's not going to do either of those. No. So you almost have to like, you know, like I said, if you're sick, you have to take care of yourself. Whether that means. Yeah. Whatever it means, you need to make sure you have to do it, and your body's not going to want to do it probably. But feeling out of sorts during this post-breakup period is definitely normal, and you should help ask for help from your friends um, if you're really struggling with it. And I'm sure your friends are going to know by witnessing that this is going on, right? Right. <laughs> I would hope so. Otherwise, they're terrible friends. <laughs> um, but make sure, like I said, because you need to have them help you too. Since it's gonna be hard to eat, sleep. Yeah, sleep it's, just, it's like it's like you just had surgery. Like, you, yeah. you need TLC, man. You need to somebody needs to bring you some chicken noodle soup. You need some chicken noodle soup for the broken heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, that leads us to the next item, which is the emotional pain of breaking up can actually feel like physical pain. So basically, we've talked about this too about how. If you feel rejection, that feels like physical pain. Well, the emotional pain of breaking up feels like physical pain. That is not your imagination, man. There is a reason nursing a broken heart can sometimes feel like you're trying to heal from heal from a physical like blow, right? Studies have found that our bodies sometimes respond to breakup the same exact way it responds to physical pain. So regions of the brain that get that get activated in response to pain also get activated in response to a breakup, whether we've broken a bone or we've gotten freaking dumped. Many of those same underlying neurological structures are involved. So this translates consciously to us as the experience of being in pain. So when you're saying that you're in pain, that you're hurting, you're hurting. According to your brain and your body and everything that tells you what pain is, you're definitely in physical pain from a breakup. And if you're like me and you don't have any empathy in life, <laughs> try and know that the, the, the story is chemically possible, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> even if you can't feel it. <laughs> yeah. Even if your brain's like, whatever, I don't, I'm not empathetic to this. It's a true thing, right? Because actually going through a breakup can change your brain chemistry, which totally freaks me out. Like, yeah. I just don't like the words change in my brain chemistry. No, I know. And so that's what, that is the thing. It's like people just really don't understand how much our body does, like all these tools that our body does. And a lot of times I feel like we're telling ourselves, oh, it's a mental thing. Like I just have to get through this. I just have to whatever, whatever. I just have to stuff this down. And it's like, no, no matter what you tell yourself, your body knows that you're going through this breakup. Your body knows that you're stressed. Your body knows that you're missing this person. This body knows you're going through withdrawal. No matter what you tell your brain, it doesn't matter. Your body does all this shit on its own. Yeah, everything it's doing, we can't tell it to do something else. We can no. like you said, we can try and stuff it down or hide it, but 
So post-breakup, your brain can actually enter that state of acute wanting that can make it difficult to focus on anything else. Like your brain only thinks of that. And I can think about like what I feel like if I forget to shut the garage door. (laughs) Right. You obsess over things like that. Like, I don't know how many times you've made me turn around to go make sure a coffee pot is turned off or a curling iron. Now that's not fair because legit, I did catch a restaurant on fire in my teenage years, (laughs) which resulted in a firing. (laughs) You got fired for a fire? Yes. The best part is when you get the call the next morning and they're like, hey, you don't need to come in today because you left the coffee pot on and there was a fire in the building. (laughs) Oh, I love it. To be fair, that is why I obsess on that. But I'm saying like I obsess on that stuff for like 30 minutes. Right. This chemical imbalance that we're referring to can make it difficult to focus on anything else. This shit goes on for months too. This love shit goes on for months and months. It's not a 30 minute, oh shit, I left the coffee pot plugged in. Right. And even if you leave the coffee pot on and catch the building on fire, that only hurts for like 24 hours. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because this deficit in the neurotransmitters associated with pleasurable feelings can even give rise to symptoms that resemble clinical depression. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know why it says resembles clinical depression. Like I think it could actually lead to clinical depression. I mean, I'm sure it can. Yeah. Okay. So another reason why you go through this is people tend to crave a rational explanation, right? They want a logical solution understanding how this breakup happened. And a lot of times breakups are not black and white like that, right? So when people, when something doesn't go as planned, you want to figure out why, especially knowing the cause of something helps us gather information, right? That is evolutionary wise. We're supposed to gather information so we avoid future mistakes. That's something that was put into our brain to keep us alive. But the rationale behind a breakup is not black and white. So it's really hard for our little brains to process it, right? Our brains want logic. And when there's no logic to it, freaks out. So, I mean, people find comfort in logic and then they want to pinpoint the cause and effect of what went wrong. And then that makes it easier to get through. But because of the just complex emotional aspects of these relationships, especially romantic relationships, it's super hard to define when, how, why something went awry. So without that concrete information, people tend to blame themselves, feel like it's a reflection of their own desirability or, or something that they did. So that pain associated with the breakup is exacerbated by trying to backtrack and just sit there and figure out like what went wrong? How did it go wrong? What was said? What if I would have said this? Blah, 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 blah. And obviously it's usually impossible impossible to pinpoint exactly why a relationship fell apart, even if there was a catalyst for the relationship falling apart. Like this is what happened and then we broke up. It doesn't mean that's the exact cause of what went wrong. So it's impossible to figure out why it fell apart. And then we, if we continuously just ruminate over the details of the breakup, that shit stalls our healing process. When we're sitting there trying to figure out, figure out, figure out, instead of, again, like you said, nurturing ourselves 
telling ourselves it's not us, you know, it's not our desirability, it's not rejection on our part. I mean, most of the time, it's either the dynamics of the two people or the other person has some shit going on, right? So we have to talk to ourselves about that. But yeah, man, our brains want a logical explanation and breakups do not offer that. So that can really fuck us up big time. Oh man, I do not do well in unlogical, illogical. Illogical? No. Illogical. I like, I, I mean, at first, unlogical, yeah. unlogical works. Unlogical is an unlogical word. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You, you don't do well in illogical situations. No, because also breaking up can feel like losing an investment, right? You put a lot of time into this most likely. Oh my if God. This, yes. If this pain is this severe, it's probably because you put a lot of time into it and they can be incredibly fulfilling, but they can also demand a lot from you, right? Yeah. Spent like months or even years building this life with another person, breaking up with them can make you feel like you've lost everything you put into everything. it from an emotional standpoint, as well as like your material things you put into it, yeah. right? Yeah. Just imagine like being with someone for five years and putting so much into building that relationship and and having your life be about that person. And then all of a sudden, everything that you've been directed towards, everything is gone. Nothing is there. So yeah, dude, that is, that is like losing an investment besides the heartbreak part of it. It's like, I was emotionally invested in this relationship. Sometimes you're financially invested in a relationship. And so when that all of a sudden goes away, it's just like, what the fuck just happened? Dude, for yeah, real. I can't imagine. No. So it also affects your body though. Okay. So there's a reason that you have confusion and you can't think and, you know, you have problems articulating like I always do 24 hours a day. Just because- Yeah. I was going to say, well, we can't say that happens. <laughs> we're all over here like resinical. What's that word? What's that word? How do I say that? And you also can get like carb cravings, right? So it's that damn fight or flight response. It's that natural reaction to extreme stress that occurs when you break up. And breakups are viewed as a stressor by the human body. It doesn't matter or, or your body can't even tell whether the source of that stress comes from a broken heart or a freaking mugger trying to take your purse because either way, the body's going to respond the same. So in cases where a person experiences stress because of something transient, like say you're being chased by a, a stray dog, right? That's happening. Oh God, that's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> the heels. I'm so worried about something getting my heels. It was, it was when I was a kid and you know, when, I, when we were kids, like Dobermans were supposedly the scariest dog. Yeah. 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 They still are pretty scary. Yeah. So, so now I don't look at them the same, but so this Doberman that used to bark, bark at us as we'd walk home from school, <laughs> got out of the fence, got out of the gate and chased us. <laughs> I mean, there, we, there, there's we, nothing worse. We ended up, we ended up stranded on top of a car. Yeah. So yeah. No choice. <laughs> I would equate, you know, I am also equally as afraid just real quick. Let me get back onto your situation. No. Is I have often have dreams where I'm running and the thought of being shot in the back. And this person literally in our town got shot in her back. And I was like, oh my God, that would be the worst thing ever. That's horrible. <laughs> of course it's horrible. So 
getting chased by a dog or being shot in the back. <laughs> I don't envision death in the shot in the back. I just, I just envision, no, like, right. I imagine some like r- random sh- shot. What's it called? The little uh, pellets from a shotgun. I imagine those yeah. like raising the skin and burning it, right? Like we're yeah. not talking about death here. But anyway, so something like that, whether you're getting yeah. chased by a dog, you got hit by some pellets. <laughs> That's something transient that then your body's response is usually temporary, right? So your adrenaline, all that shit that's going on is temporary. You know, after I was rescued from the top of the car, it was a good hour and then I was back to normal. Yeah. (laughs) But in the case of breakups, the effects of the stress are so long lasting. So over the course of time, this has a cumulative effect. So if you're not treating this, the source of this, whether you're not accepting it in your mind, whether you're not talking about it, whether you're trying to shove it down, whatever. Some people, just like we talked about, experience um, clinical forms of anxiety and even depression. Dude, love is fucking gnarly. So using the fight or flight response as a backdrop, let's look at five ways a breakup can actually affect your body. So your eating and sleeping patterns change. The dogs get mad. <laughs> That's matador. Um, hormonal, affle- hormonal fluctuations occur in the immediate aftermath of a breakup. So these trigger a variety of things. Obviously, we've talked about this, including problems with sleep and changes in appetite. So as your body tries to adapt the brain sends that signal to the adrenal gland, right? This triggers a flood of cortisol that tells the digestive system, slow down. So an upset stomach, cramping, diarrhea, constipation, you know, just like we say, puking and puking and pooping (laughs) can sometimes be an unpleasant result of this. And as a tool for coping, some people actually reach for comfort foods especially like carb heavy foods like ice cream or donuts. And I think that these things obviously help people feel full, but they also provide that shot of, of energy. And I'm not saying it's a good way to energize yourself by a donut or ice cream, but that is why we reach for those foods because then they give us that shot of energy when we're just feeling so oppressed and low vibe and low energy. Yeah. I mean, like even movies and television shows pick up on what the chemical reaction is. Cause just think about in a movie when there's a breakup, your BFF brings over the tub of ice cream and you guys sit in the bed and you right. cry over the ice cream. I don't even like ice cream, but I always feel like, Oh, this is where I should be eating ice cream. I would punch somebody if I was in heartbreak and they brought me ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want cold. I don't, I'm not an ice cream person. I'm not I an ice want, cream person either. Donuts, donuts I want a donut. Donuts are good. I'll <laughs> cool with that. Also, I won't be mad if you bring me donuts. But you know what else it also made me think of is that we were saying like it changes your appetite. And so um, a, a, an ex-housewife that I love dearly that you weren't so sure about. <laughs> Ew, are you talking about um, Alexis? Yes. Yeah, so she oh. recently 
divorced her husband, right? Yeah. Now, dude, I did see that. And I did see that she's with a super cool guy that loves her. And I'm really happy for her, by the way. Oh, good. Even even though I was annoyed with her when she was on Real Housewives, I was like, good for her because her husband seemed like a dick, man. Dick. Yeah. (laughs) Well, but she is like trying to lose weight. And she even posted somewhere like, the effects on her body, like she's like, this was terrible. The effects on my body because at first your body goes through maybe symptoms of not wanting to eat. So are you talking about when her and her husband broke up? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, she, so it was like an eight month, of whatever she was documenting. But it right. was like, you know, initially she lost her appetite, so she probably lost some weight. So right. We were talking about that loss in appetite, but then at some point she got into that state where she had more of the the car the carving the cravings for the carbs and the you know the essentially high calorie foods like yeah. ice cream donuts. Yeah. And so she was saying that she had lost weight and then gained weight and was trying to get herself back to that homeostasis, right? Right. So it was just interesting that well, like, literally somebody also, documented it. So think about this. So I guarantee you that she's probably added a few pounds being happy in love at this point too, right? Because that's a whole other thing when you're in love is just that contentment and feeling so happy and using, you know, so a lot of times when people are happy in love, they put on a few pounds too. And I call, I call, anytime I see that, I'm like, oh, I feel so happy for them because, because you know, they're just fucking happy and shit like being skinny or, or all of, none of that shit matters when you're going through that new love stuff. Well, you know, I will say though, that, um, for me, Happiness. What'd you just say? Loki was <laughs> Loki. Loki. <laughs> Loki was hitting the happiness for me gives me more energy. So I am more apt to be in a better physical state as far as my eating and exercising. So, so I, happiness makes you eat better and and exercise. Yeah, and I'm not saying that if I'm not eating well and not exercising, I'm not happy, but I'm just no, saying No, no, like, I know. But I think new love really puts on the LBs. Coming on with the LBs. Well, guess what else it can do? As if that wasn't enough already, it can also give you cocaine-like withdrawal symptoms. That coke. Yeah. That damn coke feeling. Got me again. Darn it. God, and thankfully love does not, um, doesn't eat the insides of your nose. I was going to say your teeth, but... (laughs) (laughs) For real. Put coke on their teeth. I envision like your teeth falling out. I don't know. Well, I have seen people do that like gum rub or whatever. Well, why do some addicts not have teeth? Well, I don't think that's Coke people. I think that's like the meth people. I don't know. I don't either. Anyway, Google that though. Well, luckily we don't have, we don't have that information. I always wondered why they had sores, but then I realized that they, sometimes they itch. Well, anyways, you can have, again, we're just throwing up random things that we've heard of. Is that something that you want to have withdrawals from? No, because depending on the intensity of the relationship bond, the decision to split or being dumped can trigger withdrawal symptoms that mirror what happens in addiction. That makes me hurt. So as we said before, the same areas of the brain that are stimulated by a breakup are also the same ones that become activated for cocaine addicts during withdrawal. I don't 
I don't want that part of my brain waking no, up. No, it's like legit sick. withdrawal. And scientists believe that for people in love, there is an increased production of the neurotransmitter dopamine, a compound linked to the mind-body's reward system, which in this scenario, we've been calling it the natural disaster, right? <laughs> right. In the days following a breakup, this area can go into overdrive. Oh, God causing you to obsess about the person and not receive any any rewards as a result withdrawal symptoms can occur. So imagine like people on drugs or like withdrawing from coke and they're like, okay, I, you know what? I, I can't take this withdrawal. I'm going to have to go whatever, snort some coke. Right. But if you're withdrawing from a person who does not want to be with you, you can't go snort them. kind of mind fuck is that? <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I'm sure it's not fun. <laughs> that was such an evil laugh for me. You're like, <laughs> it's just, you know what? It is really cool when you just, if you want to someday, whenever you have like 24 hours and you're in the desert and you've got nothing else to do and you want to think in silence, think about how cool our bodies are. I know they're so cool. And, and think about just what we're talking about, how powerful love is like, It is probably the thing that can make you feel the absolute best and the absolute worst. I don't think anything can take your emotions from one end of the spectrum to the other like love. I really don't. And it right. It affects you so much. It affects you so much. It can actually weaken your immune system. So, you know, if you've ever been a break uh, through a breakup, That experience makes you feel like shit. I mean, shit. So it turns out heartbreak can actually shut down certain parts of the immune system that help to protect against viruses. So your body just goes into this weakened state after a breakup. It's just like in the corner, you know, in the fetal position. Oh, I just can't deal. It's just been terrorized. So it's not uncommon for someone to feel more physically sensitive or, or, you know, experience pain more intensely or to even fucking get a cold or sore throat because you're going through a breakup. Like it affects everything. I felt like the way that you were describing it, it made me hurt whenever you were fetal in the corner because I said fetal, I should say feeble. No, fetal. Fetal would work too. Feeble works. All right. I was um, a feeble fetal. I don't know. But do you remember that sunburn that I got on my birthday like three years ago? Not really. Well, you weren't with me, but I had the world's worst sunburn. It literally peeled like for three weeks. Ooh, yeah. And that was my body's response to a breakup with the sun, essentially, right? Right. And Why? that's what I just felt like, by the way, you were describing that. That because you st- stopped getting in the sun after that, or no? No, but we obviously got in a big like he fucked me up that day, right? <laughs> we obviously, <laughs> I thought that was a that was actually a surprise dumping. That was a dump by text. <laughs> the sun ghosted you. <laughs> I thought we were totally cool. I didn't do anything different that day than I normally would, and I'm telling you what. <sighs> Hey, dude, you never fucking know. You may think that you are just the greatest best of friends you and that son and then that fucker will just fuck you up in a heartbeat oh yeah so i mean i felt whenever you were describing those symptoms for the body 
That's how it felt like. That's what I would feel like. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. It's like they just burned your soul. Well, and now that you're either gained weight or lost weight and you're not sleeping and you're not eating and you look like shit, you're you're eating a bunch or you're eating a bunch. Either way, it's not working out. You may break out too. So let's add to this, right? (laughs) Because according to a research study released in 2007 by Wake University, people are more likely to break out when experiencing high levels of split stress, like a split. Um, this makes sense when one considers the emotional trauma a person experienced in the days and weeks following a relational collapse. Because if you're thinking about just the balance in your hormones, that can cause a breakup, right? So yeah. So not this natural disaster going on inside your brain. Right. Yeah, for sure. Do you think those aren't going to be affected too? Wrong. Now you're going to, now your face is going to be all broke out. If your skin is the largest organ of your body and you're experiencing that insane stress, which causes inflammation, obviously your skin is going to be affected. And I just want to throw out a caveat. This area going on over here is thanks to Girl Scout cookies. (laughs) What what, what going on? Hold on. I have to get on. What? (laughs) My face breaking out over here. It hasn't been breaking out lately. And so well, like, it looks oh, like cool. the Girl Scout is the Girl Scout's not going to be one of our sponsors anytime soon. Hey, <laughs> I was willing to get a breakout for the Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> they mean not much to you. I was willing to put on some LBs, whatever. I didn't even care. Oh, uh, I, like, I, I, I like to just shake things up by putting on some LBs and then just being like, all right, get your it's shit just, together. It's just like the mindful money maestro. If I ate Girl Scout cookies year round, it wouldn't be good. Right. And luckily there's a governing factor in that, that I don't have any say over. They only sell them once a year for a small amount of time. (laughs) I always think about like, why don't they sell them year round? But then I always think about like, that could not be good for our country. (laughs) People wouldn't like them anymore. That's true. It wouldn't be as novel, right? Because everyone's so excited when Girl Scout cookies come out. But yeah, so that, that whole chemical imbalance is going to cause inflammation and we you can see the breakup on your face i mean inflammation anywhere is never going to work out in your favor no unless you're talking about your bank account dude (laughs) you want your bank account inflamed okay do you know what you don't want inflamed is your heart oh god so this is crazy your heart can enlarge temporarily okay so after a breakup it can actually get bigger and this is This is according to the American Heart Association. It's called broken heart syndrome. And it is a condition that can have serious consequences like heart muscle failure. So according to the American Heart Association, a part of your heart temporarily enlarges and doesn't pump well. Oh, Jesus. Right? While the rest of your heart functions normally, or it even has to have more forceful contractions. So... I think this broken heart syndrome can, um, you know, when you hear about like couples that have been together for 50 years and then one passes and then the other one passes, like Like literally that's what takes the life. I really, I mean, yeah, there's scientific research that backs it up that when your heart is broken like that, it, it, it literally affects your organ, the heart. So holy shit, dude, this is the, the science of love and heartbreak. Like it's major. It's love is not just a feeling. Love is 
everything, right? And when you lose that, it's losing everything. It's the worst. God, you're making me think of that um, gambling, that casino slot machine with the roller coasters. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. Like, love is fucking crazy. I mean, love is so crazy. I'm just like, I don't understand how people survive it. I really don't. I don't understand. And I totally get people... Like you just see these people in movies and there's devastation and whatever. And until you really experience it, you don't understand the depth and of what love can do to you. Mind, body, spirit. It's fucking insane. But I feel like we should have a subsequent episode at some point talking about how wonderful love is because we are both happily in love, not with each other. Well, we are, but <laughs> Love is amazing when it works. I didn't want it to come across like we were two angry cat ladies. No, we're not two angry cat ladies. We're just saying, look, if you feel like you're going to die, there's a fucking reason. Yes. You're going to die. Yeah. Because your body is telling you you're going to fucking die. And again, you can't tell your body what to do. So you need to brave that storm the best you can. Yeah. But knowing the sunshine will come out. That this will, yeah, and that this is normal and that this is your body's reaction and and you're not just fucking crazy, that I think can give someone peace, right? Absolutely. Like, this is normal shit that my body's putting me through. And so we sort of have to take the spotlight off of that other person. Like, I think we give so much credit to that other person for the devastation that we feel. And instead we have to sort of go, okay, it's not all fucking you. It's not about you. It's about what my body's going through because it misses you, you know? Right. That feels like it gives me more power. I don't know. You know what's crazy is now I'll never look at like the broken heart, like tattoo or emoji the same. Because I feel like it's such a clean heart with a clean line through it. Yeah. I feel like it should look a lot more like there was an explosion. That it could be that mind blown one where yeah. the head's blown out. Yeah. That's what a broken heart. So there's no clean break. You know, it doesn't just get cracked all jagged in the middle. It's like th- there's pieces here. There are pieces here. It's that was literally like a, they're making it look like it's a, a heart shaped sugar cookie that they just broke. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Have. Yeah, here's your other half of your heart. No, bitch, I'm dying. I'm exploding like a tornado. (laughs) Okay, so that's it for our Science of Love and Heartbreak episode. And we're so glad you stuck around. (laughs) Yes, we're so glad you, we swear, there's lots of good stuff that we're going to talk about in the next one. Okay, so please remember to check out our organic CBD oil brand that we've partnered up with, and you can order your own CBD oil for mental wellness at braingangster.com backslash CBD oil. And first of all, the cat is behind you, and you just did like a... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dang it, he just did like the cat-cow yoga yoga back there. Anyways, if you're curious how CBD oil could work for you, you're in luck because we already did an episode on this. So listen to episode 13 of the Brain Gangster podcast, CBD oil plus mental wellness. And if you didn't know already, we are the key spokespersons for mental wellness. (laughs) Hey. We're the poster children for mental wellness. Yeah, we're totally. You know what? You know why I love you so much? 
Because when you see the plus sign, you say plus <laughs> instead of and. Why wouldn't you put an and sign? That is and. <laughs> no, it's not. I am a literal math girl. If you would put a minus there, I'd say CBD oil minus. <laughs> Or if you did a backslash and say divided by mental wellness. Dude, it's the fucking hip way of saying and, okay? I'm but I want like you that. to keep it plus sign. Just like just like my husband still calls hashtags pounds. Yes. <laughs> it's a pound sign, yo. It's a pound. Okay, thanks for listening to the Brain Gangster Podcast with Stacey and Carrie. Brought to you by BrainGangsterBeats.com. Train your brain with Brain Gangster Beats. Have a good week, everybody. Peace out. Stay in love. Stay in love or don't. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Have fun. Bye.